Hello, and welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. I am thrilled to introduce Chris Roach today. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, so I'm the CEO of Catalyst Consulting. We're a demand generation agency focused on revenue and pipeline growth, and very much looking forward to diving into a, a conversation with you today. I'm really excited because social is one of those things that I... I think we all have a hard time figuring out because what works today may not work tomorrow. What kind of trends are you seeing in the market? Yeah, I mean, across across the market right now, there seems to be this very large push from lead generation to demand generation and focusing on kind of moving out of the, what we call the MQL hamster wheel. So trying to further qualify prospects before basically handing them from sales, from marketing team to the sales team. That's a huge push right now. And it's also... As a lot of kind of popular marketing becomes, it becomes a buzzword where everybody wants to do demand generation and it's not necessarily applicable to every company and every industry and it's not, doesn't work with every marketing campaign. But that's one of the big pushes that I'm seeing is this huge shift from lead gen to demand gen. So when it comes to, it's funny, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. The internet is additive. It's always getting more content. And for example, getting your website to show up through SEO strategies just keeps getting harder and harder. The theme seems a little similar in social in that there's a lot of noise out there. So what kind of recommendations do you have for companies who are just starting out? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a tremendous amount of noise in content. And in my opinion, content has now become kind of the next level of SEO. Whereas before, 10 years ago, you write blog articles, you try and push traffic, you know, through Google and, and have that be a, a way to push traffic to your website. Now there is this shift to this content marketing where everybody has a podcast, everybody's producing content, everybody's putting it on LinkedIn. And how do you cut through the noise? So when I'm working with, you know, my clients who are CEOs and founders of B2B SaaS companies, and we're looking at ways for them to invest in their own personal brands. It's about taking that unique approach to the storyline that they have and being able to make sure that the content that they're producing, first of all, is high quality and it's engaging and in a format that is easily and readily consumed and then being able to distribute that across channels where their market is actually naturally going to be rather than trying to force it, you know, down, kind of force the, you know, square peg in the round hole kind of metaphor where you're trying to push people into, you know, consuming content in a way that they don't naturally do. Oh yeah, that's such a great point because I think people don't always realize that different platforms have different demographics. So doing the research up front is so critical. And speaking of research, in general, I like to say that marketing is a blend of art and science. We test things and then we measure them and see what we should repeat. Do you think that social kind of follows that same theoretical algorithm? Yeah, absolutely. It's a complete blend between art and science and the fact that you have to have the creativity to see what's going to work and give it you know, really a fair enough chance when you're producing content, if you're producing video content, if you're doing it on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever platform that is, look at the type of content that you're creating and invest in creating that type of content and really set up the different pillars and kind of high level conversations that you can talk about. So for me, it could be demand generation, talking about running a business, talking about you know anything with you know previous with athletics you know those are topics that I can talk about all day long without running out of you know anything to say when you look at those start to test how the type of content and the topics that you're publishing have the most engagement the most interactions what's resonating with your audience and when you have a inbound lead come in and you ask them hey how did you hear about our company how did you hear about Catalyst you know what made you want to work with Catalyst and they're citing specific podcast interviews that I've been in or specific videos or topics 
topics. That for me is how you can start to blend the scientific approach of seeing what's working and then double down on those avenues and channels that are really delivering the end results for you. So one of the bigger mistakes I see companies make is they focus exclusively on their product and showcasing it and, and doing nice sizzle reels. I mean, they are beautiful, but that's not really what people come to social to consume. Can you give us a little bit of a breakdown on what you've seen work in terms of a blend of product and thought leadership? Yeah. First and foremost, most most B2B SaaS companies are a commodity in the type of services that they offer. There are very similar competitors out there. So when it comes to differentiating yourself, simply the UI UX design, it's not enough to really justify why somebody would work with you versus somebody else. It can be a great product, but you have to be able to resonate with your audience. And when you're going on platforms like LinkedIn or TikTok and the video content is being consumed in a very natural and organic way, you want that content not to stick out like an advert. So when you're publishing either organic social or paid social on LinkedIn, and it's very clearly basically a commercial for your product, the consumer now in your ICP is so educated in advertising that they just gloss over it and they never actually consume the content. Whereas if you can get more creative with it, looking at, for me, it's a lot of podcast interviews is where I really see value in, in taking this long form content and distributing it and repurposing it across multiple channels. That for me is a great way for me to be able to further myself as a thought leader in the space, continue to really push the authority and the domain authority that I have in marketing and demand generation and allow that to be readily consumed in a platform that they're already consuming content without really knowing that they are because it just blends straight into what they're already consuming. So it's a little bit more of a subtle approach over a long period of time that allows you to educate your potential buyer over a six, nine, 12 month period so that when they enter that buying cycle, they already know everything about your brand. They've invested into you as a founder, into that personal story. And then they they have that, that affiliation with your company and that then is going to ultimately be the driving uh, force behind them working with your company compared to a competitor. So I love that you point out that anything that's too glossy looks like advertising and people just kind of shut down. We also spoke to feature spewing and just focusing on product. What are some other major missteps you see brands making on social? So other steps or other mistakes? Mistakes. Mistakes. Yeah. A lot of mistakes is not focusing the content on the actual consumption itself. So when you are producing content and you're trying to take people away from the newsfeed, for instance, and a lot of my clients, we focus very much on LinkedIn. So we're running paid social on LinkedIn. We're also really starting to educate the founder on how to create their own personal brand when they're trying to constantly drive the attention of their potential buyer back to their blog post, back to their website, back to different you know pages on there, you're going to lose a, the vast majority of your potential audience because you're going to have you know a very low click-through rate. And if you're having a click-through rate of even 2 to 3% on LinkedIn ads, that's a pretty high click-through rate. But that means that 97% of those that could potentially consume your content aren't. So when we're looking at running these demand generation campaigns, we're really focused on content consumption within the newsfeed in a natural and organic way so it doesn't feel like an advert and then from there being able to retarget as we move people through that buying mode as they move through that sales cycle up until the point where they can then reach out to somebody within the company get on a call with an account executive talk to somebody that understands the issues that they're going through and be able to ultimately provide a solution. So we've kind of glazed over this and I'd love to take a step back. Can you speak to us about the difference between demand generation and lead generation? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's something that I think is very misunderstood as to what the difference between lead gen and demand gen is, because it right now, demand gen is a buzzword and every company is preaching that they do it without really understanding how to accurately do that. So when we refer to lead gen, basically what we're doing is we're running different so paid social media campaigns uh, across LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever those channels are, and trying to get somebody to submit their contact information to attend a webinar, to download an ebook, download a white paper, whatever that content is that is ultimately going to be consumed by your end potential buyer. They're having to submit their contact information very early on in the buying cycle. That lead is then you know either put through into the CRM, it's sales qualified, it goes through some kind of scoring system, and if it's qualified enough, or it's a business that is a high enough uh, potential buyer, it's then passed over to the sales team and then they're then going into outbound sales, reaching out to to potential buyers. And it's purely a numbers game of if we bring a thousand leads in, one may close. If we bring 10,000 leads in, one is going to close. And when you look at this over the course of a 12, 18 month period, you can see that these conversion rates are less than 0.1% of what an MQL comes in is identified as a quote unquote opportunity in the CRM by these B2B companies. And when you actually look at the conversion rate, it's so small. So when we switch to a demand generation campaign, instead of optimizing the content to be downloaded and to have to have somebody submit the contact information, we're looking for ways for that content, like I mentioned earlier, to be consumed in the newsfeed, for that content to be consumed organically. So you can start to have content on a regular basis pushed in front of your ICP, which is your ideal customer profile. When we talk about ideal customer profile, and I always make this very clear with potential clients when we're looking at switching from lead gen to demand gen, your ICP is not anybody that could buy your product. It is your ideal customer profile. These are the type of clients that your sales team should be salivating to get on a call with. And when you can focus on these very high qualified potential prospects, educate them over a course of a six to 12 month period, when they enter that buying mode, then you're able to have them come into the sales cycle, educated on the product, educated on the solution, typically educated on the the pricing and how the structure of the pricing is going to work. And it's going to result in a much shorter sales cycle, a much higher conversion on the sales qualified opportunity to close one. And ultimately over a longer period, it's going to dramatically decrease your customer acquisition cost, which allows you then to obviously spend into more channels, increase your budget, or even just be more efficient with your current marketing budget. So what I'm hearing you say is it's not so much that it's no longer a volume game, but when you're passing them over is the point that changes. So instead of focusing on a sheer lead generation volume, we're looking at conversion rates and optimizing for those. So the more leads that we pass over that convert, the healthier our pipeline, the happier the sales team, if we're just flooding people who you know maybe saw our article on an email and syndicated content that they opened, not so much. So I'm hearing it's not that we're throwing away the funnel. It's not that we're not looking at these metrics anymore. But the focal point is moving from the volume of MQLs to the conversion rate between that and opportunity. Is that correct? Am I hearing you right? Exactly. So it's it's quality over quantity. So rather than having to focus for a very high volume of MQLs, and when we talk about switching the focal point, we're looking at no longer the cost per lead or the cost per click or the click-through rate or any of these vanity metrics associated with running lead gen campaigns. Instead, we're focusing on the 
consumption of that content you know what is the how long are people engaging with videos what kind of engagement can we get what kind of self-reported attribution is is coming because of the campaigns that we're running and we're very much focused on making sure that when we have our icp the moment they enter buying mode and realistic you're only going to have one to two percent of your entire market that's ever in buying mode so the chance of catching them with a, a lead generation campaign at the point where they're actually in buying mode is minuscule and it will happen if you run lead generation for long enough you're gonna have a some some leads that close like it's just a numbers game it's just such a small percent whereas when you focus on the demand gen you remove that barrier of having to have somebody actually submit the contact information you remove the risk of basically pissing them off because you're just contacting them when all they've done is download an ebook and they're not really ready to buy or they're not the right person that's going to actually make the decision and you focus on educating your entire market over that 12 to 18 month period so that once they enter buying mode and this is a critical part is a one once they enter, they know who you are and that sales cycle will go from 270 days to 30 days because of how much more qualified they are. And therefore, from your sales team standpoint, you don't have to have this enormously overinflated sales team of 15 reps who could do the work of one rep with a demand gen campaign and it allows you to reallocate budget. And I'm not by any means trying to advocate that you should get rid of a sales team. I've been in sales. I've done outbound sales previously. There is a tremendous a tremendous respect that goes on to sales as well. But as a sales individual, if you're constantly being given unqualified leads and all you're doing is smiling and dialing and you know reaching 100 people a, a day and trying to you know leave voicemails for those 100 people and connecting with three of them and setting one demo a week, that's just not at a rate where you can be sustainable as a company to grow. Whereas, so when you switch to demand gen, suddenly the qualification increases, your sales team's happier, and you can actually allow your sales team to allocate their time to revenue generating activity not simply to basically go through and hit certain quotas on how many calls they should make a day. Oh man, I love that. So I know we're getting pretty tactical here, but I'd like to help our audience who's listening figure out where they can shift their focus when they're measuring quality and quantity. So first of all, I put a little less importance now on LinkedIn advertising conversions, direct conversions. What I'm looking for is increased traffic to our website from that source, and then an increase in demo requests. Are there other factors you look at to determine whether or not your longer term, longer play demand generation strategy is working for you? Yeah, so there's two things that I would recommend. Uh, first of all, if, you, if you're making the switch from lead to demand gen, make sure that everybody is on board, first of all, and make sure that the expectation is very clear of, we're not going to bring in 50 leads this month because that's out of those 50 leads, none of them are going to close anyway. And the best way to justify that and to prove that is to look back over historical data, break down the conversion rate, and you'll very quickly see that it's less than 0.1%. So once you have that in your back pocket as a marketer, when you justify this to a CEO or whoever else, you're able to to very easily say, right, over the next six months, these are the metrics we're going to look for. In terms of indicators, when you have made that switch, the biggest one that I'm looking for is, is there an increase in organic search? Are we getting direct links to the website? Are we getting people searching for it who aren't necessarily you know, in the buying cycle that we know we don't have the contact information and then they're entering at a point where we can see a shorter sales cycle? These are the kind of metrics because people are then becoming educated. They're consuming the content on LinkedIn, on their phone, 
they're watching videos, you know, they're on their computer, whatever else. And then when they're on a different device, then they're searching for the company and you're seeing those kind of results. The best way to really attribute the individual marketing to the revenue is to go into what we call self-reported attribution. Simplest way to do this is just to have a form on that demo request or that submit contact information where you say, how did you hear about us? Leave it as an empty field. This is something that I personally do with my website. It's something that I do with all of my clients. And you'll start to see which types of content are actually bringing people in. They say, hey, I saw the, the podcast you were on with Kamala and that was a great interview and you know this, this, and this. And you can say, oh, great. Like That was something that I'm now seeing results from. And then if you're going to start promoting that leveraging paid social, you can take your highest performing content then and then be able to push that out onto paid social and ensure that you're having the reach with all of your audience. These are the kind of metrics very early on, but you have to make sure that you have complete buy-in over that initial kind of 30 to 60 days where your sales team isn't going to suddenly be flooded with leads and you know significantly higher qualified opportunities because it takes time to build up that audience. Because like I say, there's only a, there's only a very finite number of uh, percentage of your audience who's ever in buying mode. Yeah. And two things that I'd like to just touch on there. As somebody who uses and believes in multi-touch attribution, it's so critical to understand its limitations. And one of those limitations can be helped through exactly what you said, which is adding a field to make sure you're capturing where they're coming from. I mean, the simple truth is the more people hear about the brand, the more recognition you have. I love your point that you're going to see increased searches for your brand specifically. They don't tend to click on the lead or the social post or whatever and go straight to the page. So you have that beautiful tracking in place. It's just kind of a myth rather than reality. The other point there is selling this to the sales team. So I found it really, really helpful to get one or two sales reps who understand it, are really excited about it and bought it and then really celebrate the wins with them so they can kind of proselytize it to the rest of the team. Have you seen similar tactics work with the sales team or how, how do you go about selling that to a seller who comes from that uh, volume conversion mentality? I hear in my playing in my head, I need more at-bats. It's just, it's something they always ask for. Yeah. First and foremost, I've been that salesperson previously. I, I've gone from, you know, my first job ever was going door to door, knocking on businesses in South Milwaukee, selling printers. So when I talk to sales teams now, Sasko Benice, who are sat at home in their pajamas, making phone calls. First of all, I say, I understand it, but believe me, I've done what you're doing and I've done it harder. So, you know, I don't want to hear that, you know, you need more at bats because at the end of the day, you're not converting with what you do right now. And that's where, again, the same way that I will pitch a CEO and, and when I'm, you know, typically if a, a chief marketing officer is coming to me and saying, Hey, we want to switch from lead gen to demand gen. How can we help? We want to work with Catalyst. First step I'm going to do is arrange that call with the CMO and CEO. We're going to go through and explain how that works. Then when it comes to explaining that to the sales reps or to a chief revenue officer, or whoever that is, it's helping them understand that what they're doing is simply not working. It's not at a profitable customer acquisition cost because a lot of companies don't calculate this properly. And therefore we're looking at this and saying, right, we're going to make this shift. This is what's happened so far. And for you who you've spent you know, the last six months making X amount of phone calls, this is the number of qualified opportunities that this has resulted in. This is the amount of closed one. And this is the average cost per activity that you have. You can see that you're being really inefficient, even though you are working hard and nobody is questioning the sales rep on their work ethic with this. It's simply you're not set up in a way to be successful. And what I'll often do is try and get this trial from sales reps and say, 
For me, it's a better use of your time for you to start investing in your personal brand. Go and connect with your potential buyer on LinkedIn. Start going on podcasts. Start creating content. Go on TikTok and create your own content. Create LinkedIn posts, whatever that is. Go and create your own content and see how you as the seller can actually start to implement your own type of demand generation where people buy into you as well. Talk about your family on LinkedIn. Talk about you know events that you have in your life because people like to buy from people. They're not buying from the company. So as you start to build that relationship, you get the buy-in from potential customers. That's a better use of sales reps, basically, quote unquote, spare time because they're not cold calling all day. That's going to result in a higher return in revenue over the course of a 6-12 month period. And if you notice, I keep talking about this 6-12, 18 months. Everything is a long-term investment with this switch. This is not a short-term 30-day thing. So if you're looking at this for 30 days, my advice is don't bother because you're going to end up just wasting budget and switch back to lead gen anyway. You have to be willing to look at this over a 12-month period. And the best way to have the community buy-in that I personally have found is when you have your internal communication, whether that's Slack or Heartbeat or whatever that is, when you have that internal communication, have a channel that shows all the demo requests that come in, all the submission of contacts, and have that self-reported attribution. And when they say, hey, I saw SDRA's video on this, this, and this, the boost that their morale will have because their activity has now resulted in a sales qualified opportunity and when we attribute that you know, to previous metrics, and I can say with lead gen, that opportunity would have cost you $4,000. That video that you did just resulted in a $4,000 saving for the company effectively. And that's the mentality that I use when I'm kind of uh, you know, coaching these sales reps on how to be able to invest into this because you do have to have complete alignment. Otherwise, this simply won't work because it's not sales versus marketing. It's everybody aligned. And there is this question right now of, should SDRs work under sales? And I think there is a there's an argument for this right now. You know, this is a blended approach that you should take. And when you get complete buy-in, that's when demand gen becomes very, very effective. And it's a beautiful thing because you start to see that kind of rocket take off and you start to see the customer acquisition cost just go through the floor. Oh man, I love this. So just to echo and break it down a little bit. So first thing I heard is that buy-in comes top down. So it's really crucial to get the CMO and the CEO bought in and then to sell the sales leadership team on it. So that's probably going to be your more difficult point. So to that point, I heard that you're not knocking anybody's skills or their approach. What you're talking about is making life a little bit easier in terms of when you speak with somebody who knows about your brand and is already interested, the conversation is so much easier than just cold calling and hearing no a bunch. And then one of the final points I heard you say is individual content can be so powerful in building a brand online if your sales team is comfortable with it and they they figure out a way to both talk about themselves as a person and bring value to their target audience you've got a winner. Uh, anything else you'd like to add to that that I missed? I would say when you're looking for your your cheerleader for the personal brand, the, the guinea pig, the person that's going to go and trial this, find someone that already has some kind of presence or is comfortable on camera, is comfortable in these kind of situations. And don't force your sales team to do it because if you force, they're going to become resentful for, from you for doing that. And it's not going to result in a, a positive result for that. So find the people that already have a little bit of a buy-in. Maybe they have their own side hustle where they're doing it already. You know, these SDRs, these account executives 
Find those type of people, have them trial it for three to six months and monitor the results very closely. And then once you see buy-in, if I'm a sales rep and I'm seeing you know, my account executive do this and they're killing it with sales, I'm like, this is exactly what I need to do then. And that's how you get that buy-in. You have to prove it first, just like when you're you know, working with you know, demand generation as a whole, you have to prove it over the course of that period. And then you can start to really branch out into you know, having it as a whole organizational structure. So last question for you, for organizations that are really pushing back on demand generation, have you ever seen putting demand generation in place while supplementing with the traditional lead gen if you have the room in your budget for it? Have you seen that work as kind of like a transition piece while that timeline is ticking on? Yeah, that, that's a great point. And the first and foremost, you're completely correct and say if you have the budget for it. Because yeah. <laughs> to do two campaigns, yeah, obviously not everybody has that budget, especially with recent times, like everyone's cutting back, like this is not necessarily something that I would try right now. However, the success that I've seen when you have an organization that has been very much set up on outbound sales, lead gen that wants to make that shift, but doesn't buy in 100%. Or maybe half the executive team is 100% bought in and the rest, are, they just need convincing or pushing over the edge. The first thing you can start to do is ungate your content and look at focusing the same content that you have. So that blog article that you are pushing traffic to, that ebook download, that white paper download, that one paper that you're pushing, con pushing potential buyers to right now, ungate that put that in a way that's easily consumed, turn that into a video format, have that of somebody, you know, us talking about the same content on a podcast like this and just make that switch immediately. You can still use retargeting to go and try and get demo requests. You can have the custom conversion set up on these channels to still bring in potential buyers maybe a little bit earlier than they are you would do with a you know a strategic typical demand generation campaign you can still have that volume approach with people that have consumed that content but when you focus on the consumption you're going to lower the cost of basically having that content consumed because you're not trying to optimize for these cost per leads you're optimizing typically just for reach or video views so you're going to lower the cost to be able to do that which means you can then focus a lot more on retargeting that's going to allow you to push this over yeah, over kind of that threshold of lead gen versus demand gen because we've already known from the historical data lead gen isn't going to work for you know companies as long as we've proved that already then let's look at how we can make these incremental changes and again when we talked about the biggest indicators of are we seeing search traffic go up are we seeing engagement are we pushing videos where we're seeing our icp sharing that content engaging with that content commenting saying hey this is amazing those are the kind of metrics that i'm looking for straight off the bat to make sure that this content is resonating with a potential buyer. And then over time, your team is going to see that success. And then you can switch more to an entire demand gen campaign. But I will say demand gen doesn't work for everybody, not every company. If you're selling $50 t-shirts, you don't want to go into demand gen. It's not going to no, work no. for you. If you're selling a product... <laughs> that's $10 a month. It's really, it's larger, larger contracts, larger ACVs. You know, in my opinion, anything over about $10,000 a year is really the threshold for demand gen. If you're selling something that's 500 bucks a year, you're not going to be able to make that return quick enough with demand gen. It has to be a lead gen approach. And I'll say that when clients come, hey, you want to switch to demand gen? No, you don't. Trust me. No, you don't. This is not going to work for you. You don't have the ability to do this at scale. Uh, and, and the final kind of point on that that I'll just say is when we are in this situation now where we're kind of 
moving towards this, you know, quote unquote recession with, you know, a lot of VCs are saying valuations are going down. A lot of companies are saying, should we continue to invest in marketing? Now is a tremendous opportunity for companies to test lead gen versus demand gen in the fact that there's going to be less competition if your budget allows it. If you can start to make those changes now in 12 months, 24 months, you're really going to come out as a winner because the competition is going down. All of my clients have had that knee-jerk reaction with me where they say, hey, should we cut budget? Absolutely not. Now is the worst time to cut budget because we're seeing results and the competition is going to get less because every other company in your space has just had the same thought that you've had, only if they're not working with someone that's confident in their ability, they're going to cut budget and you're going to be able to get more results now and be able to kind of go through that demand generation campaign a lot faster at a much more cost-effective rate. I couldn't agree with you more. And I will link to resources in the show notes. Um, Harvard Business Review and several other schools have done research studies where people can keep a level head, take appropriate risks, and not completely panic and clamp down right now. They're going to have the advantage on uh, market share, which is critical for any business. So don't panic. Keep a level head and get as much market share right now as you can. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you online to network? Yeah, best places to, you know, really LinkedIn is going to be my kind of bread and butter. I publish a ton of content on there. I also have my website, which is catalystconsulting.services. All of the podcasts that I'm on are all featured on there as well. So feel free to check out, you know, obviously this episode and other episodes on there where I'm talking about demand gen. Uh, And then TikTok has been a big push recently where you can see all the snippets of, uh, of different interviews like this. Great. And for those of you listening who enjoy the content, please link, subscribe, review, tell two friends. It really does make a difference. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com. 